Welcome to Hope for Life, a broadcast ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington, bringing you hope for life through the teaching of God's Word. Today, Pastor Lunsford is continuing his sermon series in the book of Hebrews. If you would like to follow along, you can open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews 12, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured. The witnesses endured. You need to endure. That's what the writer of Scripture says by God's inspiration. We are commanded to endure in a picturesque way. God says we have been entered into a race. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God has entered us in a race. He has called us into a race. We are commanded to endure. Look at the example of Christ. He says here, you should look at the example of Christ. He endured. You need to endure. Now, as we consider, uh, consider this and try to put it to practice in our life, we, first of all, we need to say, what is the race? He says, you are in a race, now endure in it. So what is the race? Turn back a page to Hebrews 10 to find out what I would call the summary of the race for Christ, which I think pictures the race for us as well. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, speaking, he was saying this in prayer to God, sacrifice and offering, that is religious activity, you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do what? Your will, O God. What was the race for Christ? It was for him to come to earth and live out God's predetermined plan for him. God's will for him. What is your race? It's the same thing. Your race is to live out the will of God for you. And it's put to us in the form of a command. Let us endure in this race in which we are put. What are some other verses that might help us understand the race? Well, one of them, the will of God, is put to us this way in 1 John 3, 23. This is his command, that we believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. If we were to ask this question, what is God's will for my life? Number one, his will is that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you have not put your faith in Christ, you are not pleasing God in your life. 
The Old Testament says that our human acts of righteousness before we come to faith in Christ are all like unclean, are all like, uh, excuse me, all like literally dirty diapers to him. They're filthiness. Until you accept Christ. You want to do the will of God? You want to please God? Accept Christ as your Savior. And then he goes on in that 1 John 3.23 to say to love one another as he gave us commandment. You see, this is not an optional race. When I was in junior high school, I was entered into a race by my gym teacher. He said, Lunsford? He walked into the class. We're all lined up. We had numbers. All he had to do was look at the empty numbers, and he knew who was absent. You know, Gym teachers don't want to have too much effort you know, for the academics. You know? Number 29, or, you know. So we're all standing there on our numbers like good little soldiers in our white shorts. And he comes in and says, Lunsford, you and Lindsay are going to race across the floor and back. I thought, what's that about? But I wasn't about to defy the gym teacher. I didn't want to be in that race. (laughs) But I was. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were entered into a race. And it's not optional. Do you know what the word is for the race here in Hebrews 12? It's the root word that we get this word from, agony. I'm telling you, when I had to race across the gym floor in eighth grade, that was agony. Because it wasn't by accident that the gym teacher picked the two chubby boys. And the other one was chubbier than me, and thank the Lord I didn't come in last in that two-person race. And I suppose in the coach's own wonderful way, he was trying to motivate us to work harder in gym class. Yeah, oh boy, I I determined right then and there I was going to be a specimen of physical fitness. Either that or that I was going to skip gym class, one of the two. Christian, God has put you in a race, and he said the goal of that race is to become like Christ. And in that race... We are being commanded in Hebrews 12 to endure. See, because it's easy to start a race. All you got to do is go one step and you started. But the question is, are you going to endure in the race? This race is generally to us in Christ-likeness. But the race also has some specific elements. And I'd like you to think about that for just a moment. And I'd like to use the Apostle Paul as an example. We're not going to turn to Scripture, but you could look throughout the New Testament at his life and see his specific call in the race. Here's what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul was called to be righteous, just like you and me. God said, Paul, I want you to be like Jesus. But he was also called to be a missionary. That was a specific call in his life. It was a specific path that God put his race on. Very clearly, he called him to that. He was also very specifically called to endure a hurting and humbling trial that he referred to as the thorn in the flesh. He specifically says, God gave this to me to keep me from being proud So he knew that whatever this was, some people being that persecuted him, some people have, uh, you know, sort of obviously looked at it and said it seems to be something with his eyesight. 
Here's a guy who was a professional communicator and writer, and his eyesight went bad. There's some evidence of that. Something, he had some kind of a hurting, humbling trial that was lifelong from the moment at which it was given to him. And God called him to run on that track. The application is pretty, pretty obvious, isn't it, Christian? You, you have a general call to God's, to be like Christ, but then you have some specific races that God has put you in. Maybe you're married. You have a husband or a wife to relate to. Uh, many of us work. We have a job. There is a, some specific things with that, with that job that are joys or hardships. Uh, we have children. We have parents. We have a school to go to. We have debt. We have a chronic physical illness. All kinds of things that God has allowed to come into our life just as surely as he has called us to righteousness, the things that we find ourselves in that we cannot abandon because God says you can't just leave a wife because she's hard to get along with. So all of these things, whatever they might be, are part of the race we have found ourselves in, and we must endure. We must endure. What is the comfort in our endurance? We find here, he says... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What do the witnesses have to do with our race? Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, Now, by God's grace, one of the things that I'm going to do, that I'm going to start today and I'm going to keep doing, is I'm going to give you some specific ideas of how you might apply this message or some specific ways you might work on applying this message. And the first one that I'm going to give you today is this. You ought to memorize this verse if you, if you haven't. Now, some of you right away say, I can't memorize. You know what? I don't care. Here's what you ought to do if you can't memorize. Get yourself a 3 by 5 card, a little piece of paper, something. Write this verse on it. The important thing is that that verse gets into your mind and into your heart so the Holy Spirit can use it at critical moments. Get that verse on a card and read it over. Read it over every morning. Read it over every night. Ask God to help you memorize it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No, there has no temptation overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now the word temptation immediately makes us think of sin there. And I don't believe that that's the intent of the verse because that word is sometimes translated trial or test. It's the same word. Now sometimes tests come to us in the form of a temptation. You walk through the airport... And there are things there you should not look at in the bookstore. It is a temptation. It is also a test. Will you turn away and keep walking? Okay, if you give in, it becomes a sin. That's what he's talking about. There are situations in life that are testing. They're hard. They're challenges. But here's what the witnesses say to us from Hebrews chapter 11. They say, you can do it. There are three things in particular that we understand from looking at these witnesses and looking at this verse right here. The first is this. You have the same challenges as every other human being has had since the beginning of time. 
There is no temptation overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Now, that's not to diminish the hurt or the pain or the challenge that you face. It's hard. There are some hard things to do. There are some hard habits to get over. But you need to know something, Christian. Other people have gotten over them. Other people have gotten over them. You have the same challenges. Let's go all the way back to Moses. What was the challenge that Moses faced in marching back to Egypt under God's command to tell Pharaoh to let my people go? It was the challenge of faith. Do I believe that I am just going to walk into Pharaoh and say, hey, Pharaoh, let the children of Israel go, and then I'm going to walk back out with my head still attached to my body. Now, what do you have to believe if you think that's going to be successful? You have to believe that God is what? More powerful than Pharaoh. Bingo. Do you believe that God is more powerful than the situation which you have to walk into tomorrow? There is no temptation overtaking you, but such as is common to man. The essence of the thing you struggle with is the same that Moses struggled with. You probably haven't ever thought of yourself as in the same category as Moses, have you? Me and Moses, yeah. Hey, you are. Same human flesh. Same challenges. Same fears. Maybe not exactly pinpoint the same, but the broad strokes are all the same. What was the challenge that the Israelites faced when the Red Sea opened up and Moses said, forward, march? Okay, are, are you an adventurous person? You look there at that wall of water and you're going, right. And you're thinking, can Moses really keep that up there? You've got to say, yeah, can God really keep that up there? And they had to decide if they were going to go forward or backward. I suppose they could have turned around and ran. Nobody had any swords or clubs, or nobody was behind them with a machine gun saying, you've got to go forward. See, what you are facing is the same thing that those folks faced. You have the same challenge. So when we read about them in, in chapter 11, I mean, all of you that have been in church any time at all and who know the Lord, you would say, oh, wasn't that great? Moses, he went down told Pharaoh where to get off, you know, and children of Israel went, oh, wasn't that great? Wasn't that great? And oh, look at my little problem. It's terrible. Hey, same, same, folks. And, and God said, yeah, look what Moses did by my strength. And you know what? You can do the same thing. Some of you right now have something real hard to face. I don't know what it is, and I don't need to know what it is unless you want to help me to help you with it. But God says, I can help you. There is no temptation overtaking you, but such as is common to man. The second thing we have in common with those witnesses is we have the same flesh. We have the same flesh. If you'd have been in the wilderness, and if I'd have been in the wilderness... Chances are we'd have been just like those children of Israel going, oh, Moses, we're going to die in the desert. Because all they were looking at was their personal, physical comfort at that moment. And that's the way us human beings are. We're thinking, am I standing? I want to sit. Am I sitting? I want to lie. Am I lying? I want to sleep. 
Am I sleeping? I want to get rested. Am I rested? I want to get up. We're always thinking about our physical comfort and what's the next great thing coming along. And that's the same way those folks were. But even though they had the same flesh as you, they did some incredible things by the power of God. Their bodies craved pleasure just like yours. Their heart desired the approval of friend and family just like yours. They grew impatient waiting for hardships to diminish. Do you remember them at the bottom of Mount Sinai and Moses is up there getting the law of God? And, and it says that they thought, well, when's he coming down? They became impatient. So what did they do? They ran straight into sin. And the bottom line problem is they wouldn't wait for God to work. Do you ever have a problem with that? If you don't, you should be preaching this morning. We all struggle with God's timing. You have the same flesh, you have the same challenges, and the good news is, folks, you have the same God. The same guy who parted the Red Sea. He's the person in your life, if you know Christ as your Savior. If you don't know Christ, the great news I want to tell you is, you can have that God in your life. He wants to part some red seas in your life. When you are frustrated with that person in your life, you need to remind yourself that if God could knock down the walls of Jericho, he can change your friend or loved one or you. When your flesh rises up and draws you to sin, you need to remember someone like Abraham and Sarah who believed that God could bring them a child, even in their old age. And you know what? We could add to that list of witnesses. We could add our own list. We could have the First Baptist Church of Ferndale list of witnesses to the power of God. There are people right here, right now, who could say, you know what? A few years ago, I wouldn't have believed God could do what he did. But look what he's done. And it, it, that might help us because when we look at Moses, somehow we do think he was some superman. But the guy in the pew next to you, the gal just down the row, is not a superman, and you know it. And God's been working in people's lives. You are called to endure in this race. You are comforted in the race that you are in because a whole bunch of people for thousands of years have succeeded in the race. Wow. Well, the thing that this passage of Hebrews 11 most challenges us with is this concept of endurance. Back in Hebrews 11, he says, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And how does he tell us to be committed to endurance? First of all, he says, lay aside every weight. And then he says also the sin which ensnares. Kind of a, a little bit of an interpretive challenge to differentiate between a weight and a sin in this context. These words are not used many places in the New Testament and the concept of having a weight that drags you down in the Christian life is not used very often in the New Testament. But one of the places I think that might help us is 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Yes, that's right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 
Verse 1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me. Among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul was saying, Timothy, here's what you need to do to be a good pastor. You need to pass on God's truth to other people. Verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. I think this is the closest parallel that we have to the idea of laying aside the weights. He's using the image of a race, of course. They say if you're going to run a, race, run a race, you don't have a bunch of suitcases while you're running the race. So what are the things we should lay aside? Well, as I thought about racing, I thought about my high school swim team. And, you know, we weren't known for being the fastest ducks on the pond, but we gave it an effort. And I was not one of the fast ones even among those slow folks on our team. And as a few of these guys approached the district swimming meet, we're, we're scaling up the competition a little bit. The coach says, now, guys, if you're really serious about this and you really want to win, there's some things you need to do. First of all, you need to shave all the hair off your body. Because all those little hairs, your leg hair, your arm hair, whatever, is going to drag in the water. And this will take seconds off your time. And when you get to that level, you're talking seconds, not minutes. You know, I was, I was worried about minutes. They were worried about seconds, you see. So you need to shave all, shave all your legs, your arms, shave yourself off. If you're really dedicated, you'd shave your hair off up here. But not many of them are that dedicated, so he says you need to wear one of those tight women's swim caps over your head. Okay, you see them in the Olympics now. Got that thing down there. Want to be just as, as uh, I don't know what the word is for the water, but in the air it's called aerodynamic. You want to slide through the water. You want to shave all this hair, you want to wear the swim cap, and you want to put baby oil all over your body. Do you know why? It literally makes you slide through the water. Literally. It breaks the surface tension of the water. I'm kind of glad I really wasn't that good of a swimmer. <laughs> I never had to worry about that. I never had to say, okay, I'll wear that itty-bitty swimming suit. Now, some of you here today love the competition of athletics. Closest thing I've come to that recently is a rook game. And Jeff and Craig Hardinger from Nooksack seriously were given a game by me and Tim Baker. <laughs> Last Sunday night we played and, oh, it was terrible. I don't know what was wrong. But later on we got a little competition going and we won. And then we lost again. Now, many of you who love competition would say, hey, if you're going to compete, you really got to go for it. What race on the earth could possibly be more worth your competitive effort than the Christian race? Well, none, as far as I can see. And if you think some football player ought to play through the pain, you ought to play through the pain, Christian. And if you think a swimmer ought to shave the hair and wear the cap and all that stuff, you ought to do whatever it takes. You see that scripture in Hebrews says, lay aside the weights that are holding you back. It seems to me that he's talking about good things that slow us down in the Christian life. 
You see, there are good things that slow us down and there are bad things. Obviously, when we talk about sin, well, well, sure, that's sin, that's bad. But over here is my television. It's not sinful. You're absolutely right. But if it keeps you from reading your Bible, it is a weight that is dragging you down in the race. I've suggested today you ought to memorize a Bible verse. And if you, I'm not going to ask you, by the way, next week whether you memorized it. But if I were to ask you and you say, boy, I didn't have much time last week, Pastor Dave, I'd say, how many hours did you watch TV? Now, hey, I'm a TV watcher. I'm not, I'm not whacking you with a skillet that I don't deserve to be hit with. But I make time to know God's word. See what I'm saying? There are weights that drag us down. I love my family. But I'm not going to love my family so much that I don't have time for the Lord. I think my family's a good thing. But do you know what? You can spend too much time with your family because they are not supposed to be the center of your world. Do you understand a weight that holds you down? The Apostle Paul talked about relationship in 1 Corinthians 7 when he said, you know what? The best thing for a Christian is to be single because you can give all your time to the Lord. He clearly made reference to the fact that, that if you're married, he says, you, you need to love your wife, you need to love your husband. And that's a godly thing, don't get me wrong. But you need to say, am I allowing my family to keep me from the Lord? You might need to look your kids in the eye and say, go away, I'm reading my Bible. Weights, things that hold us down, they're not sinful in and of themselves, but they become sinful if they come between us and running the race. If we allow the weights to pull us off the track. And then, of course, he talks about, uh, he talks about uh, sins. He said, there are sins which beset us. And what's that mean? Well, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Sin is how you step off the track. You're running the race. I don't, you know, when you go to watch little kids in an athletic competition, they just do all kinds of crazy things. You know, little boys in the outfield playing little league, and their, their hands are everywhere except where they should be. You know, they're looking the other way. That's what you do, Christian, when you choose to sin and not confess it. The race is going on, and you've just stepped over into the infield to have a conversation with your buddy, but the race is going on without you. And God says, Christian, confess your sin, get back in the race. 1 Timothy 3 says those who shepherd and serve in the body of God have to be of righteous character. If you allow your character to be sinful and not confess it and work on it, you take yourself off of the race in regard to your service for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 9.27, the Apostle Paul said, I discipline my body, very similar sentiment to enduring in the race. I discipline my body lest I should be a castaway. The imagery there is something like that I'm, I'm going on in the race and now I've allowed sin to, say, to stay and so the referee is going to come over and say, you're disqualified. Get off the track. Sin. Friends, you are either conquering sin or it is sidelining you. If you would run the race that God has given you, you must say no. No. Now think with me again, back to this example. Hebrews 11 uses the example of Christ to challenge us. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago in terms of Christ 
enduring the cross and all of the shame that was heaped upon him. But think about this with me for just a moment. Was he tempted to sin? Absolutely. We read about some specific temptations in Matthew chapter 4. The devil made personally sure that he was tempted. Now, what if Jesus had approached the pleasures of sin like you do? What if Jesus had approached the pleasures of sin like you do? Like I do. We take the pleasure of whatever our pet sin is and we, we turn it around like looking at a diamond and we're thinking, boy, I think this would be good. And so we go for it. What if Jesus had done that? Jesus endured. He endured. He endured. Did he enjoy? No, in fact, it tells us right here. He despised the shame that he had to go through. But he said, I am going to endure. I am not going to be sidelined. I'm keeping straight ahead in this race because God has called me to it. Hebrews 10, your will, I have come to do your will. Thank you for listening to Hope for Life, the broadcast teaching ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington. You can learn more about our ministry on the internet at www.ferndalebaptist.com or you can contact us by mail at First Baptist Church. P.O. Box 69, Ferndale, Washington, 98248. Telephone 360-384-3111. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Our prayer is that God's Word will give you hope for life.